0: have this church here, and uh, I'm thankful for every one of you. This morning, I want to talk to you, my sermon is titled, Kindness, Blessings, and Regifting. I'm not going to say anything new or revolutionary today, but what I am going to say, I think is foundational. In fact, uh, Friday, I had a rough day, and I woke up Saturday morning, and I was just out of sorts, and I got up and reminded myself of these things that we're going to talk about this morning. And I noticed that during the worship, everything that I'm saying this morning, we sang. So it's powerful for us and it's foundational as we begin 2019. And also, uh, I think it was about a month and a half ago, maybe longer, knowing you, it was probably eight months ago that you asked me to share this morning. But right after Tim asked me to share, this is what popped into my heart. So I've been mulling it over for a while. So uh, kindness, blessing, and regifting. Several uh, years ago on a Wednesday night, a friend of mine brought up a young man named Jose who had been part of an outreach ministry that we had down in Mexico. And he was in Eugene training for some new ministry. And Jose came up to me with this big smile. He's now 23 or 24. And he came up with this big smile and he goes, do you remember me? And I go, no. <laughs> and he goes, let me tell you a story. And so he he said, remember one of the times you were driving the bus and you were leaving and you got all the way down the hill and a little kid crawled out from underneath the seats trying to sneak back with you? And I go, yes. He goes, that was me. (laughs) And he said, let me tell you another story. The first year that you came down there, I didn't like you guys. And I had a rebellious heart. And you guys were doing all these things around our church and around the community, and I went around and pounded nails into boards, hoping that you would step on them. So, sure enough, one of the college-age students who was down there stepped on one of the nails and we had to uh, get her help. We all had our tetanus shots before we went, so she was okay with that. But afterwards, he felt so bad that he went up to her and he said, "I, I was the one who did that and I'm so sorry. And her response was great. She just gave him a big hug and she said... It's no big deal. I'm fine. I love you. That changed his life, he told me. He said every year he would save all the crafts that we would we would give him and help him to do, and he would look forward all year long to when we would come back. That simple act of kindness changed his life, and he was in Eugene preparing to do some ministry. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians that The kindness of God has been given to each one of us. And that kindness changes our life. So I want us to reflect this morning on the kindness and the goodness of God. And I want us to use Ephesians chapter 1 to uh, think about that. And as I mentioned, I noticed as uh, the band was leading us in the songs this morning that so many of these themes come up in the songs we were singing. I want us just to begin with the the third verse of chapter 1 out of Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. And if you'll notice, he uses the word blessed or form of the word blessed three different times. And it has a little different meaning each time he uses it. One time it means praised, one time it means imparted, and one time it means spiritual blessing. So you can see this on the screen. Blessed be the God... In fact, I think we ought to read this verse because it's so good together. Can we read... Do you ever read Scripture together? Once in a while. Okay, let's read it together, all right? Ready? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Look at the person next to you and say, you're blessed. Blessing... Thank you. I didn't want to be left out. <laughs> Blessing's is a strange concept, isn't it? We don't use that word very often. We, we, we do occasionally when someone sneezes and we're afraid of getting the flu. Bless you as we back away. Christmas time we might say it like Tiny Tim. God bless us, everyone. We say a blessing over our food. Some of us who grew up in the South or had parents from the South, we use blessing as a form to put someone down. <laughs> kind of like the teenagers do now. I don't, I don't mean to be mean. And then everything that follows is very mean. But we use blessing, you know. Bless her heart. She's just not very smart. <laughs> bless his heart. He tries. But blessing is not those things. It's deeper it's richer, it's more powerful, it's more life-changing. It's more than a response to sneeze or a chance to gossip about someone. It has to do with God's affirmation. It has to do with enablement, with empowerment. Blessing has to do with an impartation of God's favor or God's smile on us. One author says that the blessing of God is the assurance that we belong to him and he delights in us. That's a foundational concept. Blessing has been God's design from the very beginning. Remember, after he created the animals, he blessed them. After he created the humans, in the image of God, he created them. And then God, what? Blessed them. Unfortunately, we know the story. As humans, we moved away from God's blessing, and things spiraled down and seemed out of control, and the questions we're left with, is the negative, is the curse, is our struggles greater than God's blessing? But in Genesis 12, we find that's not true. God's plan was not destroyed, and aren't you glad for that? It says, God blessed Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great. A great study or a fun study for you would be to look at the journey of blessing through the Old Testament. There are some funny stories, some questionable stories, some ironic stories. Blessing is powerful. This morning we're going to end our time with uh, the blessing that God instructed the priest to give the people. And I want to pray that over our new year. But at the time of Jesus, blessing had become contorted. And people thought that only the rich people were blessed. Only the people who were successful were blessed. Only the people whose lives seemed nice and tidy. But Jesus challenged that. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who are the meek. And Jesus said, rather than conquering your enemies, bless them. Don't curse them. And Jesus' ministry was a proclamation of God's blessing, of God's acceptance in our life. About, uh, let's see now, 35 years ago, I went to a friend of mine. I went to her wedding, and she had been a good friend through middle school and high school, And the wedding, uh, I thought, was phenomenally boring. It was uh, just uh, the person who was presiding over the wedding, it was just just boring. But after he had pronounced them husband and wife, he did something. He said, I want to bless you. And he reached over and laid hands on them. And he said, be blessed. That's awesome. I have incorporated that in my wedding since then, and hopefully my weddings aren't phenomenally boring either. But can we read this passage this morning and let the Lord speak to us? I just want to point four things out of the passage and then pray for us this morning that we would embrace these things. These are things that we get to rehearse again and again. They're foundational. And I find it interesting that before Paul tells the Ephesian church to do anything, He tells them these things. Be reminded of God's kindness, God's generosity, God's love, God's abundance for each one of us. So you can follow along on the screen. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read several verses and then skip down and, and conclude. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You're sitting next to someone who is blessed. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us. Could we say this phrase together? accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the stinginess of his grace. I'm sorry. According to the riches of his grace, which he made abound to us in all wisdom and prudence. And now I'm skipping down to verse 13. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Can we say amen together? For 2019, at the beginning of this year, I want to remind ourselves of some of these blessings that Paul mentions here. There are a lot more that you can read, and it continues in chapter 2 and chapter 3. But the first of these two I've combined because they're, they're very similar. Paul says, we are chosen and we are accepted by God. We are chosen and we are accepted by God. Let me just take the first of two quick polls this morning. How many have ever felt rejected or been rejected ever in your life? Okay. It's painful. We hate it. We spend a great deal of energy trying to avoid being rejected. We spend much of our lives fearing rejection. Sometimes it's even worse. We begin to accept the rejection. But Paul reminds us that we are chosen and accepted. By God. One of my favorite authors is Henry Nouwen. He's passed away, but up until the end of his life, one of his messages is we must embrace our chosenness, we must accept our acceptance. And he preached that from beginning to end. You are accepted. I am accepted. The person sitting next to you is accepted. The person who cut you off here, driving here this morning is accepted. The person you wanted to wave at with one finger, uh, they're, they're accepted. Psychologists and theologians talk about the deep, basic need that as humans, we need to know that we belong and that we're accepted. That is one of the powerful messages of Jesus. Jesus heard it at his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We need to hear that message today. You are my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased. You were chosen. You are accepted. I've shared this story with a few of you before, but when I was in eighth grade, I uh, was not very popular, and I was uh, extremely shy. And one of uh, my ninth grade classmates, who was a friend of mine, uh, grabbed me in the hallway one day, and he said, you should run for freshman class president. (laughs) I said, well, there's two problems with that. The most popular guy in school is running, and no one would vote for me. He grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, I'd vote for you. So on the basis of one vote and phenomenal slogans, hit a homer with Bomer. My dad came up with this one. I can't believe I used it. Forge ahead with George. <laughs> on the basis of that one vote and those incredible slogans, I beat the most popular guy in school and was freshman class president. <sighs> the school's never been the same since. <laughs> Paul says God voted for us on the basis of that one vote. There's a conf- I don't know what the slogan will be for you this year but you know you have one vote. God voted for you. God accepts you. We're accepted even in our struggles, even in our imperfections. We're accepted even when we have questions and there doesn't seem to be answers. We're accepted in our failures. We are accepted by God. Can we say amen to that? The second thing that Paul says is that we're adopted. We have been adopted into God's family. I did a memorial service for a woman named Donna Albert and some of you might know Donna she uh, used to sit up on the the far uh, side of our church and she was there and whenever you would greet her and if you put your hand out to shake her she'd say uh, shake her hand she'd go oh no 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 we don't do handshakes we do hugs and she would just give you this big bear hug and at her memorial service people said that She had to hug you. That was the first thing. The second thing, she had to give you food. She was always offering people food. And the third thing, if you knew her, she invited you to be part of her family. And they talked about how at her Thanksgiving, she would have up to 80 people there. Now, for her, that was a joy. For me, that sounds like purgatory a little bit, 80 people there. But she welcomed people into her family. That's powerful. She got it. Several close friends of mine, I have gone through the journey with them as they've adopted children. Through the ups and downs as they pray about it, through filling out the endless forms, through going through the classes that they have to go through and then waiting and having starts and they think something's going to happen and then they're crushed. And then finally when it happens, one friend of mine said, finally when our son was in our arms, There was this joy, and he was part of our family. Paul says, We are adopted into God's family. In Roman culture, adoption was fascinating. Often, people in the elite class would adopt children from families that didn't have much potential. When they adopted someone, there were several things that happened to them. One, they got a new name, they took on the name of their new family. Two, The possibilities of the new family were given to the child. And three, any debts that they had were forgiven. You and I are adopted into God's family. You are a son and a daughter of God. The third thing I want to point out is that Paul says, we are redeemed. Now, redeemed is kind of a religious term. I think if you showed up to work tomorrow or or school and you said, hey, everyone, I just want you to know, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You might get some strange looks, like you're looking at me right now. But redemption is a powerful word, it means something has been bought back or purchased back. But I think for me, the idea of redemption is the idea of new possibilities. Paul says, God has opened a door of new possibilities by welcoming us us into his kingdom. I watched a show recently where the designer took a challenge in the show. And his challenge was this, to find furniture that was put out on the curb by people to be thrown away and that he would take that furniture and he would design a cool room. He was driving along and he found this wonderful table, he said, To me, it looked like a piece of junk. And because of his skill and because of his vision, he took the table, he refinished it, and he he put it in the house, and it was amazing. At one point, I'm kind of amazed. The other side, I'm kind of ticked off. Because if I drove by and picked up a piece of furniture off the road and put it in our house, it would look like a piece of junk. But he was able to take something, to have the vision for it, and to find something beautiful. Paul says, we've been redeemed. And I want to remind us this morning, and we sang this in the song out of Romans 8. God works all things together for good in our lives. There are things that we've gone through and that we're facing that we sometimes dismiss or we think we should throw them out. But God makes new possibilities out of those things. And he can give us hope in the midst of those things. Paul adds a second aspect of this redemption. He says, we're forgiven. Here's my second poll of the day. Just for 2018 only, that's all we'll focus on. Do you, did anybody here besides me sin? Just raise your hand. Okay, wait, say it this way. Are you sitting next to somebody who in 2018 sinned? Okay. You didn't put your hand up. That's Tim. Put your hand up, put your hand up high. She was afraid to do that. Oh, she put it up. Okay. There are things that we did that we wish we hadn't done. There are things that we didn't do that we wish we had done. There are things we said. Have you ever had that whole thing happen where you think to yourself, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. You're going to say it, don't say it. Really, this is going to go bad. Don't say it. And you say it, and as it's coming out of your mouth, you're trying to get it back. It's too late. I said it. I was meeting with a couple one time, and as they were talking, I got distracted because the things that the wife was saying uh, about the husband, I really understood what she was saying, and I, I felt like I had done that to Jane. And so I finished my meeting with them, and I drove home, and I asked Jane if I could talk to her for a minute. We sat down on the couch, and I said, you know, I'm wondering... These things, I heard these things from this wife, and here's what, I, I think I, I've been doing these things to you, and, and maybe I've uh, been wrong in doing these things, maybe they've been hurtful to you, and more than anything in that moment, what I wanted to hear is, no big deal, you're awesome, you're George, hit a homer with Bomer, come on, <laughs> but unfortunately Jane's very honest, and she looked at me and she said, yeah, that's really true you've uh, done those things and they've hurt and I've been sad about them. She goes, but I bought something for you yesterday and I, I think it's appropriate now. And she went out to the car and came in and she had purchased this little red gem like at Hirons or something. And on it, it just said, forgiven. And I took that. I carried that thing in my pocket for years. Anytime I was going through something, I reach in, I'm forgiven. That's powerful. Paul says, we're forgiven. There's something about the weight of our stuff that holds us back, that binds us up. But Paul says, we can become our true selves in Christ when we're forgiven. Don't you think the story about the friends of the guy who couldn't walk, who was on a mat, is hilarious? I think it's just a bunch of guys, you know, they can't, they can't get their friend in to see Jesus. I know, we'll put him through the roof. What a great idea. This is awesome. This is going to be great. And they put ropes on there, tear up the roof, lower him down to Jesus, only to hear these words. Son, your sins are forgiven. I wonder if they were a little upset. All this work, the ropes, the mat, the roof, everything, we're going to have to pay insurance and all that, and you say is forgiven. But I wonder if it's possible if true walking begins first with forgiveness. Can you just say this? Rather than saying it to somebody else, can you just say this to yourself this morning? I am forgiven. Lastly, and here's where we'll conclude this morning, Paul says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit is associated often with wind or with breath. The Holy Spirit. The one who comes alongside us. Wind or breath. My first college speech class that I ever had was at Lane Community College. Is that where your daughter is going out at Lane? Yeah. And it was my first class, and the teacher said, you're only allowed two absences, and you fail the class, and if you're late, you're absent. So one day I found myself on one side of the campus, and I'm going to be late for class. So I ran as fast as I could to class. I got into class, slid into my seat just as the bell rang, dripping with sweat, out of breath just in time to hear the teacher announce, today we're starting with our speeches. Mr. Bomer, why don't you go first? No problem. So I walked up front, took a breath, and started to give my speech, And only to find out I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. So I stopped my speech, and I looked at her, and I said, I can't breathe. Can I start over? And she said, no. So I just sat there. <laughs> until I caught my breath and finally, and then I gave my speech. It's difficult when we're out of breath. It's hard to do anything. There's a lot of out of breath Christians out there trying to do things without the breath of God. Paul says, we don't have to do things on our own. We can breathe in the life of God, the strength of God, and partner with God. So I thought this morning, in honor of my first speech, we could all take a deep breath together and just breathe in the life of God. So let's take a breath together. And then, will you hear this this morning? You are chosen and you are accepted. You have been adopted. You are forgiven and there are new possibilities. You have the breath of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You know the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is alive in you. And can we breathe those things in? So all this leads me to re-gifting. The last word in our title. How many of you have ever re-gifted a gift? Oh, Interesting. Re-gifting. We always feel a little, you know, a gift that was given to us, we're going to give to someone else. And we always feel a little bit guilty, a little bit ashamed. I don't know if this is really okay. But I've discovered something. God is into re-gifting. In 2019, these things are not just for us. Being chosen and accepted and adopted and forgiven They're not just gifts that we get to hold on to. God wants us to re-gift them. Like my young college-age friend who gave a gift away to Jose, a gift of kindness, and it changed his life. We don't have to fully understand these things. In fact, the next year, we're on a journey. We're learning. But as we learn these things, we can share them with others. God's blessing to Abraham was a blessing to be a blessing. And this morning I want to declare to us as followers of Christ on a journey together, we are blessed to be a blessing. I wonder if you're comfortable, if you could just put your hands out in front of you and I want to proclaim this blessing from the Old Testament that the priests were commanded to say over the people. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of things that have been hard, in the midst of the good things, I want to proclaim this blessing over my life and yours and over this church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and smile on you and be gracious on you. May the Lord turn his face towards you And give you peace. Can we say amen together? Well, thanks for letting me be here this morning. It was a real privilege for me, and I'm thankful for each one of you. And uh, next uh, Sunday, Pastor Tim is going to start a series on wisdom, and uh, that's exciting. You're going to do that out of Proverbs or just out of the hope? He's going to. He's going to preach out of the whole Bible next Sunday morning. So come from Genesis to, okay, no, he's starting a series on wisdom. This morning also, if you would like prayer, some special prayer, Jimmy will be up here uh, over in the corners. there going to be someone over here too, maybe. Okay, Jimmy's up here to pray. So God bless you. Have a, a great 2019 and a great rest of the day. We're done.